Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Well, good day and thank you for being with us again. Recently, while driving through the New England states, I was struck by a banner that was brought across the entire front of an old established church. And this was what was on the banner. Our faith is 2,000 years old, but our thinking is not. And of course, that really struck me kind of strange. Someone who's tried to study the Bible for a number of years, my mind began to reel, right? And as I did that, the question began to come up, is this modern faith or modern thinking the kind of faith that Jesus said he wanted to find when he said those words in Luke 18? When the Son of Man returns on the earth, will he find faith? You know, I think he'll find some faith, but it's what kind of faith will he find? The writer of Hebrews in chapter 13 says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when I think about that, it's not about trying to get the Bible to change to my thinking. It's about me interjecting myself into the Word of God and living that out that way. And I have found that God's promises are yes and amen, and they have been ever since I've known the Lord. Well, in thinking about those terms, I was looking at Luke chapter 10. And there was an account there that many of you have probably heard or thought about. And even those who may not attend a formal church, you've probably heard about the Good Samaritan. And so as I was reading that, these things began to come to mind. We think about the man who was robbed and left for dead. We think about the Good Samaritan who helped him along the way. There's even in there uh, some religious men, the Levite, the priest, But as we look at that, there are some other characters in this account that I don't think we spend much time on. And that's kind of where I would like to stay today. And if that's okay, I'd like to read these verses for you. We're in Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 25. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? Jesus just asked him simply, What is written in the law? And the attorney said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, all your might, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, You have answered rightly or correctly. Do this and you will live. But the lawyer, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And this is where the account many of us are familiar with. Jesus answered and said there was a certain man who went down to Jerusalem, to Jericho. By the way, you actually leave Jerusalem and descend into Jericho. And he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead or leaving him for dead. Now by the chance a certain priest came by on that road, and when he saw him he passed on the other side. And then likewise a Levite of the Levitical priesthood, When he arrived at that place, he came and looked. In other words, he came a little closer and he looked, but he passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And so he went to him and bandaged him up, his wounds, pouring oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to the inn and took care of him. 
On the next day when he departed, he told the innkeeper that he would take care of any expenses that he had, and he gave him two coins or two denarii, and he said, take care of him, whatever is needed, when I come back, I'll take care of it. Jesus asked the lawyer, so which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? The lawyer says, he who showed mercy on him. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Now, this is a wonderful account of Jesus really not trying to challenge so much the person that came, but dialoguing with him in a very natural way. What I love about Jesus is this, is that he met people right where they are or right where they were, and then he begins to engage them at that moment. And he begins to talk about the very things that mean things to him. In this case, he's speaking to a lawyer. Another translation would call him a scribe. They were really the same thing. They knew the scriptures frontwards and backwards. They had memorized all of the Old Testament, at least the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. And so they could quote any of it at any given time, even down to where the commas were, the periods, everything, understanding the scriptures. So when he comes to Jesus, I want to read this to you again. He says, a certain lawyer or scribe stood up and tested Jesus. So let's look at that. Jesus, just before this moment, is teaching. And so this lawyer is sitting in the midst of this. And there's a moment where everyone is seated, but he stands. Now, what does that mean when he stands? He's taken a position of authority. He's taken a position of challenging Jesus. And of course, Jesus is not intimidated by that. And nor should we be when people ask us questions about the Word of God. We should not only know the Word of God, but then depend on God to give us the very answers that we need to speak to a person's life. The lawyer stands up, the Bible says, and he tests him and he says, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Well, the beauty of that is, is that the lawyer knew there was an eternal life to have. Jesus responds in a way that absolutely blows the lawyer's mind. That's kind of a modern version of what he did. He says, well, what is written in the law and how does it read to you? I believe that that statement by Jesus is very important for you and I. Here's why it's important. Jesus says, what does it say and how does it read to you? You see, the beauty of that question or statement by Jesus is, what do you get out of it? What does it say? How are you taking that into your life? How does it apply to you? What does it mean to you each and every day, whether that's at work or going to the grocery store or meeting with friends? How does it read to you? You see, I'm convinced that if the Bible cannot be applied to our lives, then quite honestly, what, what value is it? It has to be something that we can take and apply, not only today, tomorrow, but down the road in all of our life as we walk with Christ. Jesus says, how does it read to you? And I love this. The lawyer says, you shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Now, this is really kind of an interesting moment. You see, as an attorney, what we would call a lawyer, is someone who's an advocate or brings the truth to the law to a circumstance. The lawyers had little boxes that hung off of their sleeves and off of their robes. 
And they held scripture inside of them. So each day they would have standard, like the Ten Commandments, and they would have additional scriptures that they would put in these boxes and they would say them all day and have them literally hanging off of their body. So when Jesus says, what does the law say and how does it read to you? He was really speaking to a man who had stood up and had scripture hanging off of his body. I'm just trying to give you a little bit of a word picture here so that you can get what's really happening. Think of all the people sitting around looking up going, okay, you know, hitting the guy next to you and going, this is going to be fun. And Jesus just simply says, how does it read to you? And the lawyer simply quotes Deuteronomy and he says, you'll love the Lord your God. And he begins to quote it just as we said, but he adds, you will love your neighbor as yourself. That's not in Deuteronomy, but that was a teaching that Jesus had been teaching in that time frame. And he added that because it coincided with those verses of scripture. And I believe that he also used that to be accepted with those that were around him and going, okay, well that matches scripture in the sense of that should come together. So let's see what takes place. Jesus looks at him and says, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. Now, as the lawyer is standing there, you can imagine how he is totally frustrated with Jesus at this point. All of the people looking around going, okay, that's a good answer. And the lawyer is saying, are you telling me you're not going to engage me? See, as he's looking at Jesus, this is what he's saying inside. You're not going to engage me? Are you telling me you're not going to argue with me? Are you telling me you're not going to challenge me on all that I know? Are you telling me that you're going to let me stand here and look foolish in front of all these people as I stood up to try to make you fool foolish? Jesus looked at him and said, you know what? You've really answered well. Do this and you will live. Think of that moment. See, we've got to put ourselves right in there and go, how would that look to us? And here we are, and Jesus says, do that and you will live. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't recommend that you do what the lawyer did next, okay? The lawyer wanting to justify himself. Don't you love that statement? I've read many translations, and they all say basically the same thing. The lawyer trying to justify himself said to Jesus and asked him a question, who is my neighbor? We never want to try to justify our actions or our attitudes to Jesus. We can come to him and say, Lord, this is what I was thinking. This is what my thoughts were. This is what I was hoping was going to get accomplished. That's one thing. That's not justification. That's just trying to say, this is where I was in this. Now help me understand what I did right, what I did wrong, whatever. But the attorney here, the lawyer here, the scribe here is not wanting that. Wanting to justify himself because Jesus didn't encounter him, right? Well, who is my neighbor? <laughs> wrong. <laughs> Jesus says, there was a certain man who went down and he begins to tell him the whole account. There was a man who fell among thieves. In fact, that road from Jerusalem to Jericho, they called it the road of blood because many people were killed and robbed because there were a lot of turns. And so robbers could hide behind rocks and come out, surprise people, rob them, leave them and escape easily. So he goes, he's robbed, he's left for dead. A priest comes by. Now remember, the priest is not supposed to touch unclean things. 
If someone's dead, he comes over. That's why he's looking. Is he dead? Is he not dead? And apparently he can't figure it out. And so he makes a choice. I'm just going to leave him there. Somebody else will help him. Isn't that what happens many times? There's somebody else that's going to take care of it. I'll never forget one time I was leaving work and I was an hour and a half to where I was going to speak on a Wednesday evening at a youth group. This was many years ago. And as I was driving, there was a lady with a broken down car on the side of the road. As I went by, I literally said these words to myself internally. Lord, I can't stop and help that lady because I have to go speak at a youth group because I'm going to go tell people how they should help other people. Uh, Yes, I slowed down, went to the next exit, turned around, came back, and I tried to help the lady. But you get the point, right? I was so busy trying to get somewhere to speak and tell people how to live for Jesus and help others that I didn't have time to help someone. I think you can see the, uh, the foolishness of that. And so as he looks, he decides, I'm going to keep going on. Then you have the Levite that comes. And he basically does the same thing, but it says that he gets closer. He looks closer. He's trying to make a decision. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that. But if he went through all of that, it's easy to think he could at least say, Should I do this? Shouldn't I do this? What does that mean? Am I going to meet my appointment? Everything else, right? All the things that come into play. But the end result is, is that the Levite does exactly the same thing. Though he walks over and gets closer, he leaves the man there. Then a Samaritan comes, which by biblical terms, in the sense of how they were viewed, were unclean people. Yet it doesn't say that he hesitated at all. He takes the man, he basically takes him, tries to help him the best way he can at that moment, helps him onto his beast or his animal. It could have been a horse, could have been a donkey, whatever it was. He helps him on it and then walks down the rest of the way there to Jericho, brings him to an inn, says, we need help. Let's get a doctor or someone who can clean him up. And then, of course, we know the rest, right? He says, if there's more that needs to take place, just put it on my bill. I'll take care of it when I come back down this way. Well, Jesus asked the lawyer a question. When he had told everything, he says, So, which of these three do you think was a neighbor? Now remember, the lawyer asked the question, Who was the neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Kind of like Mr. Rogers, right? The lawyer looks at him, and Jesus says, Who of the three, the priest, the Levite, The unclean Samaritan, right? Who do you think was a neighbor? He didn't say, who do you think can quote more scripture? He said, who do you think was a neighbor? He didn't say, who do you think has more money or access to people or resources? He asked him, who do you think was the neighbor in this circumstance? The lawyer said, and I'm pretty sure that he said it in a more non-attitude way. (laughs) He who showed mercy on him. And Jesus says, basically the same thing. Go and do likewise. The two situations that were there, Jesus answers the lawyer almost exactly the same way. Good answer. Go and do it and you're going to live. You see, there's something about the scripture that says it requires action. 
I've heard many people say, me and the big man, that's how they will say it, me and the big man, we have an agreement. I'm like, wow, does he know you have that agreement? You see, it's not about whether I have an agreement with him, it's whether or not he has an agreement with us. You see, the attorney here, the lawyer here, comes to Jesus to challenge him. And Jesus just simply answers with very few words, but that cut right down to the heart. I believe that this is very, very important for both of us. And I'm going to talk about sheer obedience, not just acting out the law. In other words, am I obedient because of my faith or am I just obedient because it's what I'm supposed to do? When Jesus asked the lawyer those questions, the lawyer had the answers, didn't he? But he's sitting there thinking to himself, am I living this out? I know the answers. I even know the scriptures. Am I living that out? You see, this was the profound statement that Jesus went right to. You know, the Lord has the ability to take that finger and stick it right on the place that he needs to speak to us about. For some of you, it might be that very thing right now. You know, we don't come to the Lord and say, I'm going to earn my way to eternal life. Jesus didn't tell the lawyer that. He just said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. You've got it. Go ahead and do that. Well, who is my neighbor? Well, let me go ahead and give you a scenario. Who's the neighbor? And who acted like a true neighbor? And Jesus is challenging this lawyer about, do you just obey what you think you know to do, or is it something that you do every day? I remember reading a devotion by Charles Finney, and he said, devotions are devotion. And you go, well, Tommy, aren't those the same things? Well, they touch, but devotions is something we just maybe go and do. Man, every morning at 6 o'clock, I do my devotions. Or do I get up because I'm devoted to the Lord to spend time with Him? Or do I just wait for the last five seconds? Okay, I go from 6 to 6.30. It's 6.29, 6.29 and a half, 6.30, I can go, and my devotions are over. No, 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 what about devotion to the Lord? You see, there have been times where I've found myself in situations just like this. Let me give you one of them. I was in a cab going to the airport in a city, and uh, I got into this cab, and it was a, 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 a man who lived out his Muslim faith. And he had some articles in the cab that definitely spoke to the fact that what he believed and who he was. So, as always, I just engage people because I want to know where their faith is and why their faith is. It's not only where, but why. And as I did, I said, it looks like you follow the Islamic law pretty well. Um, what are some of the things you do to please your God? And boy, he immediately jumped into, man, I pray a certain amount of times a day. I do this, I do this, I do this. And boy, he rattled off a bunch of things that he does. And I looked at him and I said, you seem pretty proud of your accomplishments. To which he said, oh, yes, I am. And I asked him, I said, well, is pride something that your God is pleased with? Is that a characteristic that you should have in your life? You see, there's a difference between a devotion or just living out the do's and don'ts of something. And that's what I was challenging him. When I asked him that question, he did not respond to me. And he just said, I've got to drive. And he went back to driving and we never spoke again. It was kind of a quiet drive 
to the airport. I remember, and this has happened many times, where Jehovah's Witness will come to my home or I'll engage them out on the street. And when they'll come to my home and knock on the door, and of course they begin immediately to talk, and I'll just go, wait, wait, wait. I just have a quick question for you. It's, it's a simple question. And they'll go, oh, okay. And I'll ask them, do you love me? And they'll say, what, what do you mean? And I'll say, well, do you, do you love me? And they'll say, well, I don't even know you. And I said, okay, I understand that. I said, so why are you at my home right now? Well, the Bible says that we have to go out two by two and tell people about, you know, the gospel. And, and I said, okay, so why are you here then? I understand that you have to do what the Bible says, but what is your motivation to be at my door? Well, the Bible says to go out two by two. I said, I get that. I know that scripture. That's okay. I said, but do you love me enough to come to my door and share the good news of the gospel with me? And they'll stand back every time very puzzled. And I'll say, you see, if you're not motivated by love, then you're motivated by sheer obedience. I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this, and I have to do this. And they'll say, well, you know, I can't really answer you because I don't really know you, and to say that I love you is not really good. And I said, well, let me say this. It was love that motivated Jesus to go to any city, to walk down any street or any road from town to town. It was his love that he had for people and his love for his heavenly father and the desire to reconcile us together. That's what brought him from place to place. And that typically creates a a little bit of tension right there. And as we come to that place, there's really no answer because they refuse to say or have been that they really love me for the reason that they're there. And I'll go, I think you need to rethink why you come to my door. And I'll say, I got one more question if you'll let me. Okay. Do you have to give an account and fill out forms or give any kind of account of how many homes you go and visit and how many people you visit? And at that point, virtually every time, hey, we've got to go. We've got other places to go. You see, what God wants us to do is have an understanding of why we do what we do. The lawyer stood up to try to prove Jesus wrong for some reason. And Jesus just said, what does the word of God say? Hey, if you do that, you're doing pretty good. You know the word of God. Hey, live that out. And guess what? You'll prove that you know the Lord and that you love the Lord. You see, true biblical faith, I want to read this to you because I want to say it correctly. True biblical faith will always produce obedience. Let me say that again. True biblical faith will always produce obedience, but sheer obedience, in other words, the do's and don'ts and that we perceive, will rarely produce true biblical faith because we're just checking boxes. That's not faith. That's just, hey, I did it. You know, it's like going in to clean a room. You know, my kids growing up, right? Did y'all clean your room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we walk in, they've thrown all the clothes under the bed or whatever it is, right? Yeah, I've cleaned up the room, right? It's just so they could check the boxes. No, my kids were great. But you see, do we walk out true biblical faith every day because of the burning desire to see people transformed by the power of a living God? The living God that we serve, that has the power to transform a life 
instantly. I've seen that happen so many times. You can never change my mind on that. I've seen lives transformed from disbelief to belief. And then God takes them and walks them through with the rest of their life. That's what he's done with me. That's what he's done with my wife. That's what he's done with my son and daughter and their families. God is always faithful to do that. Do I have a devotional time with the Lord, as I said, other or just devotions? These questions, I think, are one, is it out of relationship or is it out of it some kind of perverted, misguided discipline of obedience? Only you can answer that in your life. I'm not here to answer it for you. I'm just here to ask the question so you can answer it. You see, does that represent the modern church faith that I said when we started this segment? Our faith is 2,000 years old, but our thinking is not. I don't know. In this account with this lawyer, this fits right into our lives today. I don't have to have modern thinking to let that speak into my life. All it has to do is sink deep into my spirit and it'll begin to work out in my life. If I believe it and take it and apply faith to it, then it will produce the obedience that the Lord would have. You see, I've got to ask myself daily, is my faith rooted in the word of God? And that's something maybe you can ask yourself right now. In fact, let me ask you a few questions. One, is my faith rooted in the word of God? Is that word active? Is it sharp? Is it capable of cutting to the heart of a matter in my life, my family's life, and those around me? Is my life capable of expressing the genuine love of God? Now that's important. That was kind of the questions that I asked those other people that I was telling you about. What is motivating you to do the very things that you do? You know, I have to tell you right now, I don't serve the Lord to be saved. I serve the Lord because I'm saved, because he transformed me. He took me out of some terrible situations. He took me out of terrible things in my life, transformed me, and now I'm his. In fact, just recently, we were with uh, the pastor of Anchor Church, and we were sharing some different things about how God has walked us through our life. And I was sharing with them how the Lord, early in my Christian walk, not long after I gave my heart to the Lord, the Lord began to ask me to go and repay or rebring back things I had stolen. And as we sat there, they began to laugh and go, man, you were bad. <laughs> and I went, yeah, you don't know the half of it. Whether it was something I stole from an insurance company with a, with a fraudulent claim, whether it was the grocery store that helped me work through private school and I stole things off the grocery store shelf, or whether it was at a business that I worked at that I took things that they didn't use, but it was still theirs, but I, for some reason, thought it was okay to take home. And I could give you a long list of things just like that. And one by one, the Lord said, I want you to go and repay them. As a matter of fact, it came so frequent that my wife, I'd say, I need a check. And she'd go, for what? And I'd go, you know what? And she'd go, okay. And she'd just pull a check out of the checkbook. I'm kind of glad that that moment kind of came to an end, right? There weren't enough things to continue. God said, okay, you're done. But all of them had to do with my heart. Why did I do it? Because I knew something had changed inside of me. So as a couple of final thoughts, let me say this. Jesus asks us to walk with the faith of the Samaritan that God would love to find on the earth. When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? He says, I want to find faith like that Samaritan man. 
And then the next thing is this. As a daily faith walk, Jesus told the lawyer and tells you and me and me today, do these things and you will do well. Well, my greatest prayer is that this segment of scripture out of Luke 10 has meant something to you today. And I pray that this has touched your life. So take care and God bless. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.